0: Time for a gamer. Been a while since we've done one of these, and we had a great night of basketball to do it on. We're going to talk about the top two teams in the East who I think had lost like two games combined in their last 30 or something like that, and then uh, talk about Zion Williamson making his debut at Staples Center against the Lakers. Let's begin, though, with Bucks wraps a 108-97 bucks victory, and the Raptors led it at 1.5139. They shot 11 of 27 from three in the first half. They shot 23 pointers in the first 14 minutes of the game. I think 10 of their first 12 shots were three pointers. They were hitting them early. They did not hit them in the second half. Uh, They really struggled going uh, only seven out of 25 on threes in the second half. And that was their doom as other than the three point line, they got zilch. Nada, nothing, however you want to say it, against this Incredible Bucks defense.
1: The Toronto Raptors made a grand total of eleven shots in the paint. And also, they did get to the free throw line 15 of 21, but that was significantly less than Milwaukee's 30 of 36 at the free throw line in this game. And really, the Bucks come at the math problem of basketball in a different way than a lot of other teams. And Stan Van Gundy, I thought, did a good job talking about this.
0: Oh, he he's so good, man. He might put us out of business on the NBA cast, frankly. Well,
1: I mean if, if TNT, <laughs> I would love for there to be so many good broadcasters that we wouldn't feel as much of an obligation to do it but Uh, there's still
0: plenty no i wouldn't actually i'd I'd like people to still watch it and uh subscribe to our patreon and uh but but anyway uh anyway
1: (laughs) um but so but but the idea is yes threes are worth more than twos but layups and dunks and free throws are more likely to go in and so the bet that milwaukee makes is that over time not getting those easy points not getting those higher value shots will eventually mean that yeah you'll have some hot stretches and you'll have some cold stretches those will even out and then their offense is good enough to out to, to beat the lower the lower scores that you have and I thought we had a great encapsulation of that you know Milwaukee had some trouble scoring in the early parts of the game I thought some of the different tricks that Nick Nurse threw out there and then you know the idea of you know like Matt Thomas who really does one thing well and that's have an insanely beautiful jump shot you know that worked that worked for a stretch in the first half where he was just drilling threes including some nice stuff coming off of screens but then over the course of the game they shoot about they make about a third of their threes the bucks put up a 104 offensive rating and about a 93 defensive rating and so that's good enough to win
0: yeah and I think going against the Spock teams I mean Toronto 36% from two, they're in the low 30s, a, a large portion of the game. They didn't foul them that much, as you mentioned. And so you might say, oh, you know, they give up so many threes. There's a lot of variance there. Although in some ways, if you're taking away the two points uh, and the free throw line so well, it's almost kind of better for you if they're ultimately shooting more threes because the more threes they shoot, the more it's going to even out. That's what happened to Drum. We've seen a lot of these Bucks games where they'll be down five, at the end of the first half but the other team shot you know 45 percent from three on a huge number of attempts and you're like yeah you know what as soon as that normalizes they're gonna be fine that's exactly what happened in this game and yeah the bucks will take a lot of threes themselves but they don't go to the mid-rangers uh nearly as much as i mean you know toronto doesn't take a ton of mid-rangers either now the thing i would most focus on in this game is you know toronto is not a great offense uh, to be sure they miss Kawhi Leonard even someone like DeMar DeRozan I think actually would really help the Raptors in this matchup um but the Raptors don't really have anyone who can work out of the mid-range maybe Ibaka could get some pick and pop but he was more focused on the three-pointer he really struggled he was one out of ten from three he hit one early uh, and then it was just uh, totally lost out there but Siakam you might look at his line on huh? 22 points did it on uh 17 shooting possessions, not bad. Six of fourteen from the field. And then you look at the fact that he was five of nine from three, which is not a sustainable number for him. Nine three-point attempts is a lot of three-point attempts for Pascal Siakam, who, yeah, he shoots the three better this year, but that's not the heart of his game. The heart of his game is having a physical advantage inside, dominating inside. And f- until the bucks kind of went to a more three-point denial defense when they were up big late in the fourth, Siakam did not have a a two-point field goal to his name. At one point, he was 4 of 12 from the field and 0 of 4 from 2, and... Giannis Siakam can't get into that spin move game, uh, that post up game against him. Giannis is just too big. And now the Bucks bring in Marvin Williams as well. And Marvin Williams is everyone's going to learn how underrated he was toiling in Charlotte. He fit right in to this Bucks group. He moves his feet pretty well. He can hit threes. He was three of six from downtown tonight. Uh, he actually guarded Giannis really well in that game in London uh, about a month ago. And maybe that was part of the appeal for the Bucks getting him. Uh, that also takes Ilyasova and his lack of athleticism out of there so now they've got a couple of guys and you know I think Marvin could even potentially guard a LeBron or a Kawhi a little bit I don't know if Marvin can get through a screen all that well but but if you're gonna play Giannis and Marvin together then you could just switch those actions and now it's Giannis on a LeBron or a Siakam and and, or or a Kawhi and you're probably in pretty decent shape there too so I love the addition of Williams even only in 16 minutes he was fantastic you know they still got Robin Lopez that they can bring in as well so but that to have the the versatility of you can either go with the Lopez twin if that works and you got to go in to score against that guy and Giannis or now we can if we need to go to a group that's going to deny penetration a little bit more defend a little bit better in isolation uh, we've got that available as well and so I mean this is uh, we've been saying it now for a few months that this is one of the greatest defensive teams of all time and it's really just going to take awesome shooting from the perimeter to get them out of that base defense and maybe open something up in the interior at some point and Toronto to me it's very clear does not necessarily have the personnel to do that seven times in a series I think you know Lowry, Van Vliet, Ibaka maybe Gasol who admittedly they're missing in this game you know those guys could get hot over a couple of games in a series but I mean they would have to shoot 45 percent from three in a series to beat the Bucks. I think.
1: It's something that we we talked about a little bit on the uh, NBA.com NBA TV frontcourt broadcast about how the east is breaking for Milwaukee that there just aren't a lot of teams in this eastern conference that check all of the boxes that a theoretical bucks nightmare opponent would 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 have they don't have a lot especially in in toronto's case pull-up jump shooters you know that the the team that might actually give them the most trouble in that respect alone is boston because boston has yeah. Kemba and jason tatum's pull-up game has looked so much better
0: yeah the the thing is though boston can't stop them exactly that, that's that's the difference right I mean, so it, like, like, like
1: yeah. philly can probably stop them pretty well but philly doesn't have that kind of offensive game and um and then so you, you kind of go through the different teams and to, and this to me was a reminder of how a Toronto Milwaukee series would be really challenging for for the Raptors. They'll they'll have good stretches. I don't think it'll be a sweep or anything like that. But Siakam, it's a brutal matchup for him. Lowry and Van Vliet will will have some trouble. They'll they'll get some shots. But something I really liked. I brought this up a little bit earlier, but I want to emphasize it is that unless Boonholzer now, especially with Marvin Williams, is more willing to be creative, the the part of this that makes me most interested about about a Raptors. Bucks series is the the intellectual challenge that is the Bucks. You pretty much know what they're going to do, what they want to do, and they aren't. They they have more with Marvin if they if if wants to go this way. They they've more doubled down than created counter. That's just the way they've gone. You know, adding a Lopez twin, not playing D J Wilson, a, a lot of those different elements. You know, losing a ball handler. All of those different elements go that direction. And so I do like the idea of Nick Nurse, who's been the most creative defensive coach in the league who showed some wrinkles offensively to to try different things until some things works to develop some plans the problem is i just don't think he has the personnel to make that a higher value proposition you know so i think it'll help but i don't think it will help enough to like push them over the edge
0: yeah i, I think that's a good point all right we got a little more to talk about here on this game we'll take a, a quick break and we'll get back to it in just a second so man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since twenty. 20- we ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us uh, and our body types. And now uh, Helix offers 20 unique matches. Every sleeps differently. And Helix matches are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz, find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. that you came from us. Man, I just love in the program that's 20% off your first order at american-giant.com. Don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us. A, a few smaller notes uh, on this one. I think if Toronto is going to have a chance against Milwaukee, uh, they are going to have to be able to set really, really good screens. Ibaka has never been the greatest screen setter, he's gotten a little better at it this year, but he kind of wants to pop into space uh and shoot his mid-ranger or, or or maybe his three-pointer. They did really miss Gasol. I mean, I think Gasol to me is very important what they're doing defensively as well it gives to give them really, you know, 48 minutes of that very good defensive center Boucher. Well, and a, had pick some and, pop, moments
1: and a pick and pop three-point shooter at the center spot is something that can yeah. work against Milwaukee if if Gasol's actually hitting those shots.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and if he's actually taking them. I mean, he he had moments last year in the playoffs where he was aggressive taking it other times when he was a beat still so, you know he's a good passer maybe you can just get like a couple of back doors you know some system buckets on these guys maybe I'll, but the bigs are generally going to lay back for the Bucks, And so Kyle Lowry, Fred VanVleet off the dribble, those guys coming off of off-ball screens, even uh, Matt Thomas coming off of screens, and especially Eric Bledsoe, who's going to be guarding Lowry uh, or VanVleet, and DiVincenzo is pretty good at getting through screens as well, Wes Matthews. they You got to be able to lay the wood on those guys so that your best three-point shooters are able to get open. So it's not okay we drove and we're gonna throw it out top to Gasol or Ibaka and they're gonna take another three and you know we, we got to just hope that those guys get hot and th- they're probably not going to do that you know you need it to be against this Bucks team you need it to be those awesome 40% guys who are taking the three-pointers and I thought that you know Toronto had mixed success with that tonight
1: I thought DiVincenzo had a couple of big hustle on the offensive rebounds he had this sequence I think it was yeah the fourth quarter where he would beat was beating Raptors to the ball created some extra possession and the game was still you know i th- I, th- I from what i recall the bucks had a lead but it wasn't settled at that point and th- the bucks didn't end up having an offensive rebound advantage but there were a few just big swing ones there and then i wouldn't expect the raptors to get more games like this from chris boucher you know hitting those you meant like hitting two of four from three that hasn't been a strength of his he also had had that big block and was was pretty solid on the on the glass huge as well. tip
0: dunk also oh
1: yeah that big big tip dunk and then matt thomas three of five from three play 12 minutes so getting you know getting marcus all back getting norman powell back those are two 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 big difference makers that will help them and and help the depth and give nick nurse more guys that he trusts so it's not the guy is not falling in in toronto or anything like that i mean they've, they've had such a great season they will continue to i'm i'm fully confident in that but the bucks are a damn good team and they're they're gonna have a chance to win 70 and they'll be that in my eyes, if they stay healthy, they'll be the heavy favorites to make it out of the east. And that's how teams like that should look in games like this.
0: Yeah, to, total agreement there. Um, Chris Middleton to me only played 32 minutes. He had four personals, but it seemed like every time uh, the Bucks got out to about a 10-point lead late in the third, it went on a 36 to 16 run, uh, encompassing late second, early third, and they got reps got back within six, they might have even got it to four at one point, but Middleton hit a big three as soon as they. They got it back to six. Uh, had a couple more big jumpers uh, to really keep him at bay, and I think mi- that's something that deserves to be talked about is just how much better Chris Middleton is this season with the w- the way he shot it, uh, just better understanding of-, of where his shots are going to come from this second season in Budenholzer's offense, and you know I-, I think Toronto has pretty decent personnel to deal with him, but you know he still had 22 points uh, on seven of 14 in this one, and you know to give them that second scorer uh, uh, who is a Just a little bit more reliable than he was last year where, uh, you know, he's not just, okay, we're going to throw, this guy's hot. He's just taking a bunch of tough mid-rangers where he's just like a more consistent presence, a more efficient presence. And then Giannis, not his best offensive game five of 14 from the field he really struggled to get there in mean, the raptors really i thought their defense was brilliant tonight they, they did a, a great job they held the, a great offense to 104 offensive rating the problem is they had a 93 offensive rating of their own well and, uh, and the bucks only yeah. attempted 13 shots in the restricted area though some of
1: that was because they were getting fouled instead so you know yeah that's why you look at those two things in conjunction but equal numbers of restricted area and floater range and then but the bucks i mean five of 26 on above the break threes they they were 14 to 42 overall and yeah i thought yeah, that, the,
0: but but they got up 16 corner threes i mean that's just a did. ton and, and they hit nine out of 16 on those corner threes i mean that that was and toronto gives up a lot of threes but the bucks don't give up as many corner threes they give up a little bit more but above the break um but yeah i, I was starting to say with Giannis. Um, he missed some time due to the birth of, of his first child, didn't travel with the team, but was still in the gym. And, and local reporting indicated that he's trying to work on his fadeaway jumper a little bit more, give him something that he can get to. And he had a couple of those in this game that he can get to at the end of games when he can't just overpower it. And I, and I thought you know the Bucs did have a few times in this game where Giannis was really getting swarmed. They didn't have the spacing, you know, like DiVincenzo would just be hanging out along the baseline. Line in the dunker spot for some reason or you know Giannis didn't quite have the awareness where the help was coming from and this is Raptors team is the number two defense they're a brilliant defensive team even without Kawhi and Danny Green and OG Ananobi uh who we christened the or at least I did the one guy that I would want defending if you just pick hey Someone who's going to isolate against a guy, this is who you want defending him. He would probably be my number one pick in the entire NBA to guard any position. Uh, I thought when he was matched up one-on-one against Giannis, he did a great job. He doesn't get overwhelmed strength-wise. He's got great length. He can move his feet extremely well. Uh, But Giannis did hit a couple of those favors. He also hit two corner threes. He did. Interestingly enough, I mean, I I would guess that he's probably taken maybe 10 corner threes this whole year, but uh, he looked a little more comfortable taking him from that range. And, And he hit his free throws, seven of eight. That's always an adventure for him. He had eight assists and was, of course, uh, a second best on the team. Plus 13, George Hill uh, was plus 16 so i mean the the bucks just keep rolling right along you know but i i I, this game convinced me even more that you just the only way you're going to beat these guys whether you're toronto or whether you are the philly philadelphia 76ers maybe the lakers is to make it a rock fight against them i'm very interested to see what it looks like if the Rockets and Bucks play, and we're we're done with the season series between the Clippers uh, and the Bucks. But that would be another fascinating series if it does happen in the NBA Finals uh, to see whether you know who can really crack this nut of hey, we're just we have to win. Getting nothing at the foul line and nothing at the rim. It's just, you know, all right. You, you want to say last season's Warriors could maybe do that? Yeah. But, uh you know, even like James Harden can, can't crack it with the step back because they take that away and force him to drive into all that help. So, it, and then he ends up having to pass it out for threes and you're still getting nothing at the rim. So, who is the team that can? cracked the code of this incredible rim protection brooke lopez at five blocks today Giannis, uh yeah i mean he, he got dunked on a couple of times but and he probably gets dunked on more than anybody in the nba but he also gets his fair share and he tries relentlessly and he doesn't give a shit if he shows up on social media as like getting caught or something he's going to try for every block and he's going to intimidate a lot of people and then you throw in robin lopez as well marvin williams even could protect the rim a little bit it's uh and then all these wing guys digging down all the time I and mean, we, we talked about it ad nauseum but I mean it really the formula that they've found is really really difficult to beat and if you don't have just incredible outside shooting maybe it's the post-up you know maybe maybe it's uh you know just great motion and back doors and stuff like that but uh, I'm really at a loss for how most teams can get decent shots against this team other than just praying that your threes go in.
1: Do you want to transition to talk about Pell's Lakers?
0: Let me see if I had anything else on this game. Uh, I mean, Kyle Lowry still, it's just, he really struggled at two out of 12. Played 41 minutes, which was a ton. Interesting that Giannis actually played 38 minutes in this game. Second game of a back-to-back, he did foul out in 26 minutes in their overtime win against the Wizards last night. So maybe there was a, a thought that he could play more. and they, they did bring him back in earlier than he normally would come back in in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, you know, he's been averaging around 31 minutes a game. So they definitely extended him a little bit. I think that's good. And I think that as they get towards the end of the regular season, that they might want to start ramping up his minutes a little bit just to get him into the type of shape he's going to need to be in for the playoffs when he has to play big minutes. Um, but Lowry, I mean, he's just a such good help defender. It's like he, given his size, I mean, he and Chris Paul, but I think Lowry might even be better than Chris Paul. I mean, I, I use this verb all the time he just apparates like from Harry Potter he just shows up in the lane where you just where is this guy like where did he come from he's there taking a charge he's just deterring help and then the moment that the pass is made that he senses the pass can be made he's back to his man uh it's really just a uh, incredible work uh by Kyle Lowry, even you know in his mid 30s almost now
1: I remembered one other small thing I want to mention I brought this up on Twitter during the game there was a delay in I believe it was the first quarter because Giannis got inadvertently hit the the face by Terrence Davis, and since the Bucks were in the bonus, Giannis had free throws to take. And oh because yeah, of, because of the current rules, if a player does not take those free throws, then they cannot return to the game. So we knew Giannis was going to take those free throws, and I think that and the, the refs, you know, huddled, gave him time and all that. And I think that the the solution here, and I'd seen part of this before. I think you know, it's, I'm not saying it's an original idea, is that the league should have two exceptions to that rule: that if you do not take the free throws, you cannot return to the game. One exception is if you were the victim of a flagrant foul like that that's to me is just obvious like if something happened then you don't want to reward the other team by if it's a temporary thing or whatever and the player can return and then the other one is if it involves a blow to the head because it's just not good for the league you know you get into those issues especially if it's a first quarter thing and maybe they do a test and everything's clear but it slows down the game it doesn't help anything and you could put it from a player safety guys and you could set the rules however you want yeah there might be some issues where they give latitude and maybe it wasn't a blow to the head, but I think it leads to a better overall, a better overall play, and that I think that's important.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, the reason that that rule exists is because you could be like, oh, I'm hurt, and then you put in your best free throw shooter or whatever uh, to take him. I mean, y- you could, you could also just make it so, yeah, if you're hurt and you have to go out, they can still pick wh- whatever guy they want off the end of the bench to shoot the free throws and so that would probably be enough of a deterrent for you know just like faking an injury so you don't have to shoot the free throws if you're a bad free throw shooter and then you could still be able to come back in so yeah i'm in agreement there um lowry versus bledsoe oh god is uh is eclipsed only by lowry versus paul uh, Chris Paul uh, in the theater department. And I mean the acting department, not like the entertainment value necessarily, uh, that kind of theater, because uh, both of those guys, uh, will certainly look to uh, embellish contact. Um, Van Gundy had an interesting point, which I I thought was good. That the Bucks, you can in theory come back on them because you can get so many threes and and you can get hot from there. Um, you know, if they're up by ten with like six minutes left or something like that, they do eventually kind of change up. Steve Kerr would, would do this too, and the Warriors would be up with just all right, we're kind of in more of a no threes type of defense. That's how Siaka was able to get a couple of buckets inside late. All right. Well, Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down I highly recommend Inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding I got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor For you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything: blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high-quality fabrics to choose from: European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns you can customize, things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com, use the code CAPSpace. Capspace, space we talk about all the time here on the program To get 10 percent off any purchase of $399 or more that's 10 percent off at indochino indochino indochino.com and don't forget that Capspace code to let them know that you came from us Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, Reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil Oh, that, that was fun that was like 23 minutes on uh just this game which uh hey, that's, uh, that's what we're here. We got to start gearing up for the playoffs uh, well, on these games.
1: There were not a lot of non-national games on the slate that would have warranted attention, so I think we got pretty lucky considering it was this one in Pell's Lakers.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'm i going to go back and watch OKC Chicago. That was an interesting one. Co- Kobe White has 33 points or more in three straight games for the Bulls. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, and OKC
1: went up 14-2 to to start that game, and then Chicago took the lead, I think, before the end of the third quarter
0: and uh jim bullen was yelling something at zach levine at the end and zach levine yelled back at him i've got fucking 40 points (laughs) uh but let's talk about someone else who had fucking 40 points lebron james
1: yeah lebron 17 of 27 from the field and five of 11 from three eight rebounds six assists seven turnovers, most of which came early. I think he had five turnovers in the first half, um, plus 12 in a in a nine-point win. He was dominant, had some really nice finishes in particular. And to me, what, one of the things that was so striking about this game, beyond LeBron's dominance, which was certainly there, it was a very fast game. It was 110 possessions for each side. So the offensive ratings are actually pretty low here, uh, 105 and 99 respectively. But New Orleans took half of their shots in the game four feet and closer.
0: Yeah, and then you you throw in the number of free throws they took including 19 three for free throw attempts for zion williamson uh although he actually did not have a particularly efficient game he was 13 and 19 from the line 29 points uh, but basically i think it was 26 shooting possessions at three terms i mean that's not at eight of 18 from the field but you know he always gets a, a few of his own rebounds uh but you know and so zion in 29 that looks pretty good in 33 minutes but I thought that this, other than the Bucks game, was probably his worst game. And in particular, it was on defense. And LeBron's shot chart told the tale of it a little bit. He only was forced to take one mid-range jumper. He did have the jumper working from 3-5 of 11. You know, I mean, he he can get hot out there. That, not much you can do about that. You probably need to be conceding that shot to him. But 11 of 12 at the rim, there was just absolutely no resistance. Anytime Zion was out there, I mean, he was just... The effort level just is not there. He doesn't understand how hard he needs to play defensively. He's not in his stance. He waves at the ball. You know, they had him guarding AD for a time. Any LeBron AD pick and roll was just going to completely kill Zion. I mean, he still... He has his first... uh, His next verticality play at the rim will be his first. And again, you know, I'm like... Zion Williamson is having one of the greatest debuts we've ever seen. Like, I I don't want to lose sight of that for a 20-year-old. But we've seen against the Bucs when I think he was 5 of 19 from the field in this one. You know, and he, his shooting wasn't amazing. He got to the foul line at will, but, you know, it wasn't as easy for him in this game against that big Lakers front line. He, he got his share against those guys, too, including, like, this unbelievable jump stop or around AD for a bucket. But I think it's no coincidence that he's had his two worst games against the Lakers and the Bucks who have size who are real teams that he's not just going to be able to totally overwhelm that can take advantage of some of the weaknesses in his game and he's gonna we'll see it's gonna be fascinating to watch his journey but he's he does have some real severe weaknesses right now and those strengths are so strong i don't mean to minimize those in the slightest but whether he can clean some of this stuff up and really become a dominating player at the highest levels against teams like the lakers and the bucks in a given season you know that's what's gonna really make his career to me
1: zion was also one of but not the only culprit in new orleans really bad Bad transition defense oh god i mean lebron is a monster obviously but they were giving up so many good yeah. looks on and, and, and the lakers
0: breaks. might the lakers might be the best fast break team in basketball too
1: a very good argument on that and this is a great stat for me from cleaning the glass the lakers created a transition play on 43 percent of their live ball rebounds a defensive rebounds and the, the pelicans did on 26 percent. 26 percent isn't bad like that's a that's around league average but the lakers that's towards top half of the league so you think about just how many looks you can get off that they had a 112 offensive rating in those circumstances and that's a whole hell of a lot better than in transition I love it when the Lakers run and they have they have some great personnel for it I think a lot of their a lot of their guys look better in transition than anywhere else so it makes sense that 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 would work and to me this was also an example of something that I'm going to pay attention to with this Lakers team is that it wasn't just like Rondo and Kuzma being terrible but the Lakers being bad in those minutes and we could call them the non-LeBron minutes when those two things are the same is not a surprise those lineups don't really have a a real thesis for me they don't have a clear competitive advantage and so that will be a real challenge for Fang fogle maybe that's something Markeef morris can help with even though he doesn't fill the same role as some of those guys and another way to do that is play more alex caruso i thought caruso did a really good job in this game yeah the highlights were there but just even his like possession by possession defense outside of the highlight block on Lonzo ball those were really good too
0: yeah he that was really good you know he just things run incredibly well when he's out there I mean 17 minutes he's plus 20 he's been closing a lot of these games now including back back that Denver game that they won before the break uh I think it's also very interesting Marquise Morris played 15 minutes in his debut he's plus two he he, you know he got beat by Zion a few times I I thought he looked slow a few times also made some pretty decent defensive plays in the fourth quarter so uh missed his only two three points. he played 15 minutes Cal Kuzma 12 minutes Took 10 shots in 12 minutes and was negative 19 Rondo 12 minutes he was negative 17 um and it, it really seems like you know they play Rondo in this first stint when LeBron goes out of the game in the first and third quarter and it seems like they're basically just kind of waiting until they can put Caruso in and get serious about it I think Frank Vogel knows that Caruso is better than Rondo at this point based on some of these patterns but Rondo is still a voice there he, he's got a role on this team they, they're still playing him um but you know you can't afford to be 17 in 12 minutes especially when you're playing Rondo and Kuzma together. I mean, you just lose so much physicality defensively in those minutes. Um, You know, Markeef, if he takes Kuzma's minutes, that's a little more interesting, potentially. Um, Not great... for just the Lakers team building if Kyle Kuzma is going to just like not play in the playoffs you know that you're maybe you missed your chance to trade him here if that was the case um and but I'm not sure that if it is going to be Kuzma playing is Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee going to lose time to Markeith Morris uh, Frank Vogel did play 11 guys he I'm sorry no that's not true he played yeah no it was, it was 11 guys. yeah um and he said hey you know we might play it's not gonna always be like this we're kind of trying to figure out what the rotation is going to be like we're going to give people a chance and so I, I think there will be changes and we talked a lot about how difficult it is going to be now you might say hey you know we're killing the Pels defense it's only a 107 offensive rating for the Lakers like that's not not bad right well the Lakers were only 13 of 44 from three and AD missed a lot of shots that he normally makes as well he was only five out of 15 in the paint um 0 of 5 from floater zone
1: well the, and the Lakers bench was three of 15 on threes and if you wanted to add in, if you wanted to add in avery bradley i think that goes to three of 22
0: yeah i mean between lebron and danny green were 10 out of 20 and everyone else uh, was three out of 24 from three but the, they got on the offensive glass. I thought that Zion, his defensive rebounding is a little bit of a problem, especially if you're going to play him with Melly, which obviously uh, opens things up for him offensively. They were getting killed in the paint, and so they tried to close it out with Favors. And the defense has been very good with Zion and Favors on the floor, but uh, they were not able to get enough room protection even with that group and then favors really killed the space There's I mean, there was one play that really stuck out to me where zion runs a pick and roll he would have been wide open coming down the lane and dwight howard who's guarding favors just like is standing there waiting for the the pass to Zion, and favors is standing you know in no man's land 18 feet away from the basket on the baseline and so yeah he's their only center if they're gonna defend at a high enough level against a, a high level team like the lakers they probably need him out there but yeah it's not The ideal fit and and that's why i think ultimately if zion i think zion is a long way away from getting good enough to really hold up as a small ball center defensively maybe you just outscore guys on the other end but that Dwayne Dedman type that Miles Turner that Brooke Lopez to me that type of player is just what they desperately need uh if their defense is going to ultimately be good enough for trying to build this team and maybe maybe Miles Turner will be available this summer you know maybe uh we'll see what happens with the Pacers
1: that could have been a good use of the Darius Miller walking trade exception if and I mean we know Sacramento was desperately trying to move him and I'm I'm guessing they would have preferred a deal but you're
0: talking about Dedman now at this point
1: yes dead no no not, not Miles Turner for that. Yeah. Uh, something else...
0: Well, well, so how how would he have fit into the walking trade exception? Deadman is like thirteen million, and, and they uh,
1: would have had to add in some filler salary. But I think, yeah, could, yeah, I guess, yeah, that's right. They could have,
0: I, I when you said walking trade exception, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, that's only it's only seven million. You can't fit him into there. I was like, no, no, it's actually a player you can you can like aggregate together and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> your, is... your your uh, your nomenclature was like too accurate for for a second. Even, there. even though
1: he's doing sadly very little walking, coming back from this Achilles injury. But,
0: I um, mean, you know, he's, hopefully he's walking but,
1: at least at this point. Uh, another quirk of this game jj reddick posting one of the weirdest box scores of the entire season played 20 minutes did not take a shot from the field he did attempt three free throws and committed five fouls just a weird one i, I kept on forgetting that he was in the game and then seeing him and i think that there's there's some different combinations that alvin gentry can go to especially now that zion is there i think reddick could help open some things up maybe you actually use some some actions like they the sixers did with joel Embiid and and jj reddick i think that
0: yeah, the, or Simmons and Reddick too. I mean, yeah, that's sure. th- that's the next thing. And I think Zion, you know, his ball handling is not quite tight enough yet. But I still I still want to see him with the ball in his hands, running pick and roll with the smaller player. And that he definitely, we, when we saw him on Monday, uh, or as I guess it was Sunday night, uh, against the Warriors before the game, like that's a lot of what he was working on pregame. Although, you know, he wasn't, when you watch a guy work sometimes, you, you like okay is it what's his level of intensity is he going game speed and like you know he, he was going pretty slow but you know that's he's he's not just like shooting jumpers he's working on like explosive moves and so it, obviously he has a, a limited amount of workload still coming off the surgery he's a big guy so you know i'm not sure it's the smartest thing for him to be just like working his butt off before the game but you know it wasn't like the highest intensity stuff i mean sometimes you see guys you know generally smaller guys shooters uh, who will go through higher intensity stuff too so uh, again i'm not sure that's a criticism it's simply an observation um
1: we should also talk a little bit about brandon ingram's game uh, going against his former team 34 points 12 of 20 from the field most of that from two he was nine of 11 on two pointers and then three of nine on threes and ingram did a lot of it from mid-range four of six from mid-range and then he had two in the floater range but i think those were both jumpers like not not runners and i thought that you know ingram when his shot is going in his offense looks a lot better. I still don't know exactly how you fit him in offensively with, with Zion. There, there's going to be some great pains there. And he had a good game overall. I don't want to, to do that to, to criticize him too much. But the defensive limitations are still very much there. And the Lakers are a team specifically that he will have some real problems with depending on how, how the Lakers are going to structure the rotations. And Ingram is better. I would say he's improved on the defensive end. But he's still like to me that is still a weakness in his game.
0: Well, I thought it's quite telling that Drew Holiday is guarding LeBron and, you know, at 6'3, 6'4. And yeah, Drew's a pretty strong guy, but, you know, he's. Brandon Ingram has a 7'3 wingspan and, and Brendan Ingram is, is guarding Danny Green instead. And you might say, Ingram, you know, if, if LeBron runs pick and roll, he can't get over a screen. I mean, I, I would like to see what it would look like with Ingram guarding LeBron in the post. I mean, would LeBron just go right through him or could he kind of use his length to bother him at least, even if he got. A decent position, but, um that's not a great time i I know drew holiday is a great defender and there isn't necessarily that scoring guard to put drew on but i might want drew off the ball just because he's a really good help defender too he gets some of the most deflections in the league he's just a smart help defender i mean ingram just doesn't do anything as a help defender i thought he really you know he's another guy like he's not gonna come over and from the weak side and disrupt lebron going to the basket or something despite his physical tools so i i I do think i would say actually he's a little bit from his Lakers days in terms of his defense now you know as being a bigger option and I would also say that they probably should have gone to him more late in the game than they did because with the the floor as poorly spaced as it was like his mid-range game could have actually been getting them some buckets not relying on getting to the basket the way Zion was uh but Yeah, I mean, he's going to just always be a really difficult guy to evaluate. It looks great when he's got 34 points, uh, but I think he's probably, uh, unless he can really make some improvements in his passing and his defense and getting to the rim, uh, moving the ball, that he's probably going to be a little bit overrated by his scoring numbers, at least for the foreseeable future.
1: Do you have anything else on this one?
0: Yeah, you know, Redick, you brought him up. Some of the lineups that they've got has been with Melly and Melly has played well. He's shooting over 50% from three uh, in this calendar year. He's been a nice compliment to Zion. I would like to see them try Zion at center and Ingram at the four and play Redick rather than Melly and just see how that looks. I mean, that may just be so utterly untenable defensively i mean they already were getting worked with melly and melly at least has some size and some okay instincts even if you know his athleticism is pretty limited uh but i'd like to see what would happen maybe they could just completely overwhelm teams on the offensive end with that look and now the other thing that's kind of underrated about reddick is i think he really hurts your transition defense because you know he he's usually above the key he's one of the guys who has to get back and you know there are some guys who are back you know Danny Green is is great at transition defense you know some guys have at least a decent amount of athleticism anytime Reddick is back I think the league has kind of learned that if Redick is in between you and the goal and there's no big man behind you that it's just a bucket yeah you know, like like you just go right through him he's just gonna foul you he doesn't have the length or the strength or the athleticism even to get like a strip every now and then he's just gonna kind of you know he'll try and help it and do something I think he slipped also defensively this year without all those guys around him with the, the Sixers not in the the same culture but that's something to watch is that i think he really hurts your transition defense because anybody basically any competent guard in the league with any kind of a head of steam going at him it's just a bucket
1: have we heard anything further Uh, i'm hoping that the ad well it sounded like it was actually his bicep thing when he he blocked the shot and hit his entire arm or basically his entire arm on the backboard Uh, hopefully he's okay from that And, and with ad you're always a little bit cautious just because of his his history of having smaller injuries and you know unfortunately he's had some bigger ones too but he did have a nice night overall even if it wasn't to his standards against his former team 21 points 14 rebounds six blocks and and again like he, he can be such a destructive player in moments and i just love him in transition with lebron because he can he can be a force there but it wasn't his best night from the field to be sure
0: yeah no i mean he, he did have a monster game uh, protecting the rim for the lakers Yeah, we'll see if this ends up being the first-round series. I, I gotta say, I mean, Memphis... They looked I I know it was against a Clippers team that really had smoke coming out of their ears last night but now uh, and we can kind of switch to news here as well now Brandon Clark is also going to miss at least two weeks Uh, we talked about how Jaron Jackson is out at least two weeks with this sprained knee and the lack of shooting they have and their offense Memphis and then also how much they turned it over as well against the Clippers was atrocious and some of the guys that they're playing in that game you know Gorgie Jang and like Jordan Bell and Josh Jackson I mean these are The guys who got them to be a solid team to go on this run. I mean, it's a totally different team. It's basically John Morant and Dylan Brooks and Jonas Valanciunas and a bunch of guys who kind of haven't been playing, and none of them can shoot either, and they don't really know each other or have any continuity. I I fear, especially when you consider how rough their schedule is the rest of the way, hardest schedule in league. I fear they could go on a, a run where they're going to lose like you know eight out of ten games or something here.
1: They also have some during the stretch when Jaron and Brandon Clark are both out. They have some road games against shaky opposition, and those can be real problems for a team that is losing games because then it feels like you're losing even more. You know, if it's Atlanta or Brooklyn, like for example, they play yeah, those teams. It,
0: it, they'd be better off if they had all their hard games that they were going to lose anyway, right?
1: Now. Exactly, and and you know they're playing at Houston on Wednesday, so that'll be that'll be more. And the Lakers, they'll play on Saturday. That's more in that vein. But they'll have a few of those like potentially winnable games. And those are a real problem. And then we don't even know. Remember, this is these are for Clark and Jackson. The terminology has been reevaluation. That does not mean those players are coming oh, yeah. back in two weeks. And then a little bit after two weeks from now, they start this road trip. Portland, Utah, San Antonio, home for one game against OKC, then at Milwaukee. So if they get those guys back, good luck anyway
0: that's right other news here ben simmons uh, we talked about this he missed the thursday game against brooklyn he tries to come back the plan was for him to go get treatment while he was out of the game and then he plays five minutes uh, and shams reported that he actually suffered a worsening of the injury on the play before he uh, left the game for good no doubt some doctor was like oh you can't make it worse you'll be fine
1: that's it's a totally normal medical plan find a new slant
0: uh and so now a nerve impingement in the lower back reevaluated in two weeks, but there's little expectation he'd be ready to return to the lineup that soon. Um I'm not that familiar with nerve impingements i'm not that familiar with the idea of like whether surgery would ultimately be an option i mean simmons has been absolutely bulletproof so far in his career but this is a major problem for philly now and and thankfully for them or actually maybe not thankfully for them because if they wanted to be in the other side of the bracket from milwaukee the pacers are having their own struggles they finally righted the ship with a 39 point blowout of charlotte today Hornets over baby uh
1: wow.
0: <laughs> um but without Simmons, and they did get Alec Burks thankfully you know he's gonna have to be a, a big initiator of the offense they brought Al Horford back into the starting lineup Joel Embiid went absolutely crazy against Atlanta which has a bunch of skinny guys who can't even come close to handling him in the post uh but and Philly does have one of the easiest schedules in the league going forward so they we'll see how much not having Simmons hurts them but I mean the greatest concern for me is like what if he's not back for the playoffs that seems or what if he's not a, right
1: yeah I mean yeah yeah it, I mean that's
0: That seems a distinct possibility to me at this point in time.
1: It's a huge concern and also remember that part of this season I mean, they're going for a championship and playoff success and all that is also evaluating, getting a proof of concept one way or the other on this theory that Elton Brand put this team together and if Ben Simmons isn't Ben Simmons, how does Brand interpret this season? You know, Does he make a move involving Al Horford? Do they wait and say we didn't have it right, we need to run it back? It's a lot and Simmons has been so good this year I mean, especially that definitive stretch when Joel Embiid did not play. It's a shame to see it go off the rails. Hopefully temporarily, but this is the time. So we're, we're late February. Remember the the playoffs start in mid-April, where you always want to pad. I I kind of do this idea of you know double the double the projection, and then then maybe at that point they're starting to be right. And so let's say four weeks. And remember, they're not saying he's going to be back in two weeks. That's just again, it's that's kind of when they're when they're going to reevaluate him. So this is it's. Getting Getting dicey, and um and remember that also by virtue of looking like the bu- like they're not going to get a top top two top three seed, Philly is going to play a challenging opponent in the first round, and so they're not going to have this margin for error. Like some, so you know sometimes a team can get right in the first round. Philly's not going to have that ability.
0: Yeah, I mean at best they're going to be the four seed, and I think Miami with the Simmons news would have to be a favorite to get that, and. Now you can say that Miami is a much easier first round opponent than either Boston or Toronto would be for them, and that perhaps they would rather be in the five seed than the six for that. It just depends whether you want to get out of the first round or whether you want to actually you know avoid Milwaukee until the conference finals. Indiana quite hard hit as well. Jeremy Lamb suffered a torn ACL, a torn meniscus, and a fracture at the bottom of his femur, which basically as as part of the knee, all all that same injury, um, and. so, I mean, you have to imagine, basically, this is going to put him out for all of next year as well. He had signed a contract, about $10 million a year, a pretty decent contract. He had been there six-man. He'd had good games and bad. They have Warren and Justin Holiday and Doug McDermott still. Um, they've also got plenty of depth to play two point guards together. He could move Malcolm Brogdon to shooting guard. So I don't think this is going to kill them that much. Uh, next year, they might have some changes. I mean, it's it's obviously a big problem for him. Personally, I'm glad that he signed the, the three-year deal. But, I mean, Indiana probably has as much depth at the shooting guard position as any team in the league. Victor Oladipo missed his second straight with lower back pain and Hope is that he can return pretty quickly here. They obviously have to get him on track to have a chance of doing anything in the playoffs. And then Steph Curry is in fact going to return against the Wizards. That was reported as a target date for by Marcus Thompson over a month ago, I think now. And it would have been cool to see him on Thursday against the Lakers, but instead it'll be Sunday night against the Wizards. And I mean, it's just going to be awesome to see Steph Curry back on the floor. Like uh, how quickly we forget uh, how awesome a player he is um all right i think that's probably all we've got here for tonight uh anything you want to talk about before we go uh,
1: If people haven't listened to it yet i can't remember if i mentioned this on the recent podcast i but i did one with ben taylor talking more than i ever really have about my my background pre-getting into basketball you know playing soccer growing up and how that how all of that influences my analysis and and the value of statistics and everything like that it was a fun conversation and have some pieces coming out for the athletic and then you're going i'm working on A Q&A for the the Warriors, which should be out on Thursday, and then have a couple other pieces that people can keep an eye on, and it's yeah, and we we're gonna have some interesting stuff over the, over the course of the rest of this week too.
0: Yeah, we got a a fun week coming up. We're going to do future power rankings tomorrow night. Uh, uh, I I shouldn't say future power rankings. Uh, That's a a separate one. Uh, We're going to do 2022 crystal ball. We started doing these two years ahead around this time of year in 2017 for 2019. And we've done it every year. So we'll even go back and look at some of our old crystal balls and see how Uh woefully inaccurate we were and uh, whether maybe we could have done a little bit better of a job. Than we did i think we actually did a better job of predicting who's going to be bad than who's going to be good um but we're such negative people it's that's uh, <laughs> that's not a surprise i suppose um and then hollinger duncan definitely listen to that one too uh, even if it's a, a couple days old we did postmortems on all the teams that we have eliminated from the playoffs and tried to take a look at where those teams go from here how they've developed uh, what you make uh, of this season what their paths are going to be to getting back to being solid teams. Teams. And so that was a lot of fun. We also talked about when it's time to fire a coach, uh, and uh, he and I are going to do coach rankings next week. So that's going to be a ton of fun as well. So we got a lot of great content here. We're uh locking in for the stretch run after the All Star break, uh, just like uh, your favorite team hopefully is doing as well. So we'll talk to you tomorrow night. Till then, at Bet three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play.